of this, um, but I highly recommend it. I think this lady did a fantastic job putting this book together. There's a few things I'm not completely sure I'm on the page with, but that's okay. But I'd say 98% of it, I really like this book. So I'd highly re recommend it. All of the like things that are ci cited in the back here um, are all like really good uh, authors that I respect, like Jack Hayford and things like that. So she really cites some really powerful things and she's big on intercessory. So um, she, teaches, uh, she teaches a school of prophetic and she also does a, um, I think she leads some kind of prayer something. Let me put my glasses back on and I can read it to you. So um, she's the director of prayer ministries. Uh, she's under the ministry of John Eckhart, who if anyone knows any of those prayers that release breakthrough, I have them all. I would highly recommend getting them. Any of the John Eckhart books, I would highly recommend getting. I, I highlight them. I pray them in different ways. I think they just, I think they blow the ceiling off of stuff. So I'm gonna do. I'm gonna teach something on on prayer. I am gonna teach it soon. I'm gonna. I'm, gosh, by golly, gosh, golly, I'm gonna do it. So I'm gonna get something going for prayer because not because I know it all because I don't, but I just wanna. Uh, I wanna give my journey on it, and I wanna give information because the more we grow in um, intercessory and warfare and understanding uh, how the battles are won, uh, we, become very diff we become very agile warriors. So we become much more powerful in the spirit realm. And it just, it just really changes everything. So what I'm gonna talk to you about today is the Deborah anointing, like back here. Um, okay, so I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read. If you have your Bible, you can uh, look at it. I'm going into Judges, and I'm gonna uh, talk about Deborah. So um, I have a whole bunch of Sharpies. Maybe I'll try to keep them all. I, I have all these Sharpies up here because when I am in worship or stuff, I'll start writing prophetic stuff down. So I want to write a Sharpie, and then I circle it with a green Sharpie so Sherry knows what she's doing. And then I make circles and all of these crazy things. If you ever see my notes, they're just crazy notes up here. Okay, so I'm going to read from Judges 4, and I'm going to be reading about Deborah. Okay, so Deborah, uh, let's see, where am I? Okay, so I did the prophet stuff. Okay, prophet stuff. I did all that. Okay, so this is all that. Okay, now I really know where I'm going. Alrighty. I have the funniest notes. If you would ever see, it looks like chicken scrawl up here. Okay, one day in the sweet, close, by and by, I will learn how to do PowerPoint in the name of Jesus. Okay. All right, uh, so after, I'm going to read from the beginning. So after Ehud's death, the Israelites, you, you're just going to listen to the story, and then I'm going to talk. What I'm going to do with this story is I'm gonna, I want to do the bigger picture. I'm going to do a little bit more of a prophetic higher realm story because I want to connect Jael and Deborah together. Okay, so while you're out there, you're just going to pray for me and intercede that I'm going to do this really good because I think this is, there's a very powerful story uh, that oftentimes we don't see from the names and the different meanings that are going on. So after Ehud's death, the Israelites, I also reserve the right to pronounce any of these names multiple times in completely different ways. Okay, so if I read the name and every time I want to read it a different way, just go with it, okay? It's just like if you have to pronounce my name and my name's not in your first language or your name's not in my first language and I pronounce your name always different, Always different, that's the same thing. So Ehud's death, the Israelites again, um, 
After Ehud's death, the Israelites again did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord turned them over to King Jabin of Hazor, a Canaanite king. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in something, Haggahiogoyakim. Sisera, who had Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, okay, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. He was ruthless. Um, during this time, I'll read it and I'll teach it. So during this time, uh, Israel uh, of Judges, Joshua had died. Okay, Joshua had died, so they no longer had the leadership. Oh my gosh, I'm touching this. And now it's getting funky, okay. They had, uh, am I doing this right? I think I, I should not have touched the wire. Can you hear me? Okay. Don't touch, yes, I have touched it, you see? See? Okay, I'm back. All right, without a whisper, a lisp. All right, so in the time of judges, in the time... In the time of Judges, um, Joshua had died, okay? So he was their leader. Now, when Joshua died, the Lord started putting judges, and they were not just a judge, they were also, uh, it was the word is synonymous with deliverer, okay? So God would put a judge over the nation to handle the, he had judges in the lower courts too, so it was a theocracy, God was leading the people, okay, it wasn't a king, there was no king then, okay, it was God leading his people through his prophets, okay, so the prophet would, the judge, uh, the judge and prophet, he would be a prophet or prophetess, uh, he would lead the people, he would, divide, he would decide the civil matters that couldn't be resolved, he would then also um, convict and deal with the people on their idolatry, uh, so he would be a convicting voice from heaven on that, and uh, because they didn't have the Holy Spirit, they only had the voice of God speaking through a man, because this is Old Testament, and the third thing was, um, uh, so it was, um, it was idolatry, uh, and what was it, oh, they would leave it into military battle, I'm getting distracted with my microphone, so they would be led into military battle, the prophet or the deliverer or the judge would lead them into battle. They had the dominion or decision-making of a king, so they would lead them. They were the ones calling, hey, the Lord says go fight, the Lord says don't fight, the Lord says fight like this, the Lord says go like this. At this time, Israel began to uh, follow other gods. They were apostate, they were worshiping other gods, there was tons of idolatry, and even the prophets had started doing the same thing. Okay, the prophets and the judges were doing the same thing. So Deborah was a woman that God raised up. Uh, she was a woman who, she was a woman that God raised up to deliver Israel from their oppressors. Now, Deborah was a judge, but she was considered what is called almost like a supreme judge, supreme court judge. She had decision making for the entire nation. What she said, she decided for the whole nation. Um, she, okay, so let's go a little further. So, uh, so th 
the Sisera, who had 900 iron chariots, ruthlessly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. Then the people cried out to the Lord for help. Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. Uh, she would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, she was, she came out of the country, the area of Ephraim, which was where the Canaanites were formidable oppressors. They were horrible. They were torturous. The Israelites couldn't even uh, move around and travel in safety. They were uh, robbed, they were raped, they were pillaged, all kinds of stuff. It was terribly, it was one, it was the most oppressive area in all of Israel, was the area where this king Jabin had uh, been oppressing them or uh, was exercising dominion. So, God raised up a deliverer, Deborah, from that area. And her region that she came out of, God always raises up a deliverer. And God raised up a deliverer from that most difficult area, which is where she was from. So he raised up Deborah, and she was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah. Now, normally they would sit at the gate of meeting the judge uh, or the uh, prophet or the, deliver, the judge would sit at the gate of meeting, but because Deb, it was such an oppressive situation and there was no safety, Deborah was up on a hill uh, because that was one of the only secure places that she could uh, legislate from. So, and it's, it's, it, was, it was a terrible, terrible time between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and Israelites would go to her for judgment. And one day she sent for Barak, the son uh, of, of Abinam, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. And she said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribe of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Zabor. And I will call out Sisera, commander of Jabin's army, along with his chariots. So she says, I'm going to call him out. And along with his chariots, the Lord says, I'm going to along with his chariots and warriors, to, to Kishon River, and then I will give you victory over them. And Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. And she says, very well, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be in the hands of a woman. Now, he was honored in Hebrews 11. Uh, Barak gets honored as, a, as one of the men of faith, one of the pillars of faith in that pillar section. So he's honored as a, as a man of faith. So um, the honor that he didn't get was because God was showing a prophetic word that he was going to deliver them through the woman. But there was a, um, um, a complementarian. They worked together to, to deliver Israel. So Deborah went on uh, with Barak to Kadesh. And at Kadesh, Barak called together in the tribes of Zeblin and Naphtali. And the 10,000 warriors went up with him. And Deborah was also, also went with him. Deborah went. They would always, there was oftentimes that the judges would go and she was one of six major judges. And when, her, when it's talked about in the original Hebrew, there was a permanency to the title that they would get. So she judged permanently unless the Lord took her out. And it was very common for that. So she, and what she, she was very well known uh, throughout the region so, uh, and, and, and in Israel. So, so Sisera was told that Barak, son of Abinam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, and he called for his 900 chariots and all of his warriors, and they marched from Harosheth to the Kishon River. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready, 
This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slope of Tabor into battle. And when Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all of his chariots and warriors into a panic. And Sisera leaped down from his chariot and escaped on foot. Barak, ch Barak chased him. Uh, chased the chariots and the enemy along the way, killing all of Sisera's warriors, and not one single one was left. Meanwhile, Sisera ran to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, because Heber's family was on friendly terms with King Jabin of Hazor. He was actually an Israelite who was selling out um, his people because he was a metal worker and he was making iron uh, chariots and stuff for this king. So he, her husband was a sellout. Her husband wasn't um, obeying the Lord. Her husband was profiting uh, through monetary means uh, from the plight of the Israelites. But Jael had a different uh, thing in mind. And so she was uh, the woman of the tent. She, she, over t you know, she cared for her household. And she was a homemaker. So Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come into my tent, sir. Come in. Don't be afraid. So he went into her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. And he said, please give me water. I'm thirsty. So she gave him some milk from a leather bag, and she covered him again. And, said, and she said, he said, stand at the door of the tent. If anyone comes in, asks you if there's anyone here, say no. So Sisera fell asleep from exhaustion, and Jael quietly crept up to him, with a hammer and a tent peg in her hand, and she drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and so he died. And when Barak came looking for Sisera, Jael went out to him and said, come, come, and I will show you the man you are looking for. So he followed her into the tent and found Sisera lying there dead with the tent peg through his temple. So on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin, the Canaanite king. And from that time on, Israel became stronger and stronger against King Jabin until they finally destroyed him. So what I want you to be aware is that King Jabin wasn't defeated at that time, but it was a huge win. And the Canaanites were so formidable. When, when Israel, how, how did, what was the promised land for Israel? All of that area, Right that God gave it to them. What was it? It was their, what was the word? It starts with an I. In inheritance. Okay, God gave it to them, but they were going into a land that had formidable enemies. Formidable enemies. And there was generational strongholds and fortified cities. Strongholds, cities that had been fortified there. And they were enemies that God had said, this is your promise these are your promise, this is your promise, this is your inheritance, but you're going to have to remove the people that are in the land. And so the Canaanites, when they went in there, the Canaanites, the Hittites, they were formidable warriors. The Hittites had chariots that uh, stuck out. They, they made this chariot that stuck out with this sword uh, that stuck out six feet on each side. And they would ride these chariots through the Israelites or through their, um, their enemies, and they would mow them down, like cut them in half with these chariots. And this guy, uh, Sisera, had 900 chariots. And to compare that, in Egypt, when Egypt with that was at its formidable and at its greatest strength, Egypt only had uh, the, the greatest number that they have is like 947. And you've heard about how Egypt was. Well, this, this king had 900 of them. 
and Israel had none. And in the time of Judges, what's crazy is in the time of Judges, when Israel went into the promised land with Joshua, they were not warriors. And they had to fight people that were way obviously stronger, more powerful, more trained, entrenched. Um, they had all the knowledge of military and war. And these were people that had never been trained for such things. They were slaves and brick makers. They had a, a mentality of bondage. And so now God says, you're going to have this land. And Joshua dies, and they're still trying to take piles, uh, large bits of the land back. And the crazy thing is that God, at this time in Judges, when it shifts to, um, you know, the reigning of the kings, first and second kings, first and second chronicles, you start seeing that the kings start making armies that can fight back. But at this time, the only one that would fight for the Israelites was the Lord himself. They didn't have an army that was heavily trained. They never, ever went up against armies with any strength of their own. In this season of the scripture of Judges, they were literally listening to the judge, the prophet, and the Lord would tell them when and how and uh, with who that he would tell them. And sometimes they would go out to battle and it would be hand-to-hand -hand combat and the Lord would give them victory or he would give them some crazy strategy of how they were going to overcome this uh, uh, oppressive nation or these oppressors or this bondage or this oppression uh, stronghold in their life in their lives um, these fortified cities that's what strongholds are, are fortified belief systems and they're also considered fortified cities that's what the the uh, word pictures are and scripture is for us to see is that when you see these fortresses fortified cities they're supposed to we're supposed to see them as strongholds of our life uh, some generational things that have been there long before that we have an inheritance but we can't take because those strongholds are there. So the Lord would tell them exactly how they were to win. How we're going to do it, you're going to do it just like this. On Jericho, they had a wall that was so, it was like, like something crazy in its distance. They could ride chariots on the top of it. They had chariot races on the top of Jericho, like chariot races, like full on. Like if you ever saw Ben-Hur, they had the chariot race on the top of the wall. That's how impenetrable that wall was. And the Lord told them to go out there with pitchers and with a light and say and sing, right? They were marching around seven times and the Lord gave them victory. So he would sometimes deliver them supernaturally, which is like us, we get delivered supernaturally with a touch, or the Lord causes us to wrestle or he teaches our, he fashions our hands for war. So he gives us breakthrough in battle. So at this time, um, they were always being led by the word of the Lord, and they did not have a king. So Deborah, the problem that started happening is the judges started being corrupt, and they weren't pure in their motives. I'm going to keep working with this. Um, they weren't pure in their motives. And uh, so, but Deborah, she was. And so she sat at the gate, or she should have sat at the gate, but she actually sat at a palm. And palms have a really powerful significance because they, uh, they, they mean ascension. They have this, um, this connotation of ascension. They're in Solomon's temple on the walls 
uh, with uh, cherub and they're also with flowers. So they have these date palms, the palm tree. And then they're also in the visions uh, of Ezekiel, I think it's 41, where it, he sees a, a temple. And so there's these palm trees again with like a face of a lion facing it. So these palms, they represent uh, victory, they represent authority, they represent um, victory, authority, uh, and they represent uh, ascension, ascension. So there's something really powerful. If you have time and you really want to go deep, study all that. Study the date palms in the temple because, again, there's something deep to it. So she was at this palm, place of ascension, and her name meant uh, one who speaks. Um, I want to say it the way that they say it because it's, it's really good that way. It's really juicy. So she was one who, um, let's see, my chicken thing here. Uh, one who, it means to speak forth, to deliberately establish or pronounce. To speak forth or deliberately establish or pronounce. And it's the same word used in uh, Genesis when the Lord would speak into being. Reality would come forth. So that she, it's, it's the deliberately establish or pronounce. That's what that means, that word. And then it also means honeybee. Now, bees were producers of honey, and the land that they were given were milk and honey. Okay, oftentimes they think it's the bees they meant with the honey. And they, the, the other, the, you know, there's a couple different meanings on names sometimes because they're multifaceted, and sometimes you act like one way and then you act like the other way, and so there's multiple meanings to what you're named. So with Deborah, the honeybee was, um, it, it's called the honeybee, but it really means a uh, uh, drawer of, um, of sweetness. And date palms, when they went into the land of milk and honey, milk and honey, the honey was actually the syrup from the date palms. Yeah. And honey s signifies strength. Strength. So warriors would carry honey to add strength um, and vitality, sustenance to them. And honey was for the diehards. Milk was for um, the weak ones, or you know, the babies, you know, it's sustenance. It's the initial sustenance. It's, it's the word of God also. Um, and it also talks about the word being um, milk and honey. And the word of God is the milk, okay? It's the law that we get, but the sweetness of the word is the presence, it's the Holy Spirit. And oftentimes the Holy Spirit is the sweetness, is the reference of the sweetness, like the sweetness of Christ, things like that. So that sweetness that was from the date palm, she had that in her name, and she's at a date palm. So she was able to, she was able to deliberately establish or pronounce, so she spoke into being uh, like in Genesis, she would speak forth the word of God, the declarative, speaking forth the word of God, and she was a producer of sweetness. Isn't that amazing? So powerful. So uh, it, all, it also, honey also represents the fullness of the spirit. And soldiers used it for the endurance too. It was to endure. And they said it was for the, uh, the hard course. That's Jonathan, if you remember, Jonathan found honey. There's a significance with that again. You see the honey? So it was for soldiers. So, so honey also represents desires. 
Milk represents wants in scripture oftentimes. So milk was for sustenance and initial nutrition. So the land of milk and honey. Um, new believers got the milk, you know, first Peter. So, so the milk of the wort was sweetened with the honey, the fullness of the spirit, and we are strengthened. It's the in increase, the expansion. Um, too much honey will put a little fat on you too, you know. And the fatness, there's a fatness that's talked about in scripture too, you know. That's not, you know, hip size, but it is uh, density of fullness. There's a scripture I was reading um, on our prayer, uh, virtual prayer. I think it was Psalm 65. Uh, Shelly reminded me of it. And um, the crown, there was, a, it's a crown, something about the year is being crowned, crowned with enlargement or something, and that your path will drip fatness. So interesting. There's interesting things. So, so Deborah, she was an opulent woman, okay? And when I mean opulent, she was really wealthy. She had her own support. She made her own money. She was like a Proverbs 31 woman. Uh, she had palm trees in Jericho. There's deep that. She had orchards in Ramah. She had olives that produced oil in the valley. She had places of watering in Bethel. These were hers. She had, and she had white dust in the king's mountain. Now, don't, I don't know what that is, but if anyone finds out, come and tell me. She was a middle-aged woman who had been sitting and judging the people, and God called her to be the deliverer of the nation. So she stepped forward. She had no military ideas, plans, strategies. She wasn't, like, trained in anything. The Lord told her to do it, and she stepped forward. It was very common in that time for the uh, battles to have a prophet or a judge go out with them. And why? Because they would want to know, what do we do? Ask God what we do. There's a lot of chariots, you know. They're not gone. They didn't run, you know. So they would need to hear what is the word of the Lord. Saul's problem is he wouldn't wait for Samuel, remember? So he offered up the uh, sacrifice. He didn't want to wait. So, so um, the prophets were to lead them. So it was extremely common for that. So she had her own money. She was, they say that she was considered an overachiever, which I think that's funny. That's good. Um, to, in contrast, JL, she wasn't. She was a keeper of the home. And um, I'm going to tell you some things about now with, um, so, okay, I'm going to finish up with her, and then I'm going to tell you some things about JL. So the region of Cana that she came from, as I said, was the most oppressed. God raised her up as a deliverer because the word judge also means deliverer. And the, um, uh, she was called a mother of Israel, but they're not sure if she was a mother, an actual mother. They don't speak of her children. But when, you're called, when she was called a mother of Israel, uh, what that term that spoke over her was that she was liberating the oppressed and she provided uh, protection and sustenance to a nation. That's why she was called the mother of Israel. Isn't that powerful? So like Israel, he's the father of many nations. Well, she gets called the mother of Israel, right? That's, that's, that's heavy. So it's really good. So in contrast, so she was really, she, she rolled out and um, it's said that, oh, you know, I'm just going to drop this in there and then we'll move on. But it's said that the reason why Deborah um, did what she did was because no man would do it. I just want you to know it's not in the scriptures. That's not in the text. Okay. So if you look and you study, you can study for yourself. 
that's not in the, t in the text. Nowhere was Deborah put into that position because no guy wanted to do it, uh, or they couldn't find one. She was put there by her own uh, calling and her own destiny. And what's interesting, um, the separation, I'll put this as a tidbit, but my husband said he's going to teach on this soon because he got a lot of good stuff from me because I was telling him my notes. And, what he, and so um, before, when the temple, what, before the temple was built, it was built by the kings. But before it was built, it was tabernacles, okay? It was tents of meeting, okay? So just keep, a, keep that in mind because JL is going to be called something. She's going to keep her a uh, woman of the tents, okay? So, but before they, they had tabernacle, in the tabernacle is when things started getting divided for men and women. Women got their special court that was never given by God. This is the court of women. That's not, wasn't given by the Lord. So there was all these distinctions and separations that started happening. But when it was still the tabernacle, uh, the tent, um, the women danced. They were the prophets. They were the worshipers. And they were integrated into the worship experience very comfortably. And when Deborah said that to Barak, uh, Barak said, that's fine. You should call. I need you to come. That was his thing. He accepted it. I need you. You're a prophet. You're, you're the judge. I, I need, we need your wisdom. So there was this very comfortable, uh, complementarian relationship of going out uh, with him. And she did go out. She did go out to battle. And she did lead. So uh, Deborah went out to battle, and she heard the word of the Lord, and she spoke it. Now, Jael, the wonderful Jael, let me see, was there anything else? No, there. All right, so the wonderful Jael, her name means mountain goat. Mountain goat. That's not so nice. I don't want to be called a mountain goat. But it means also something very powerful because it, a mountain goat is, is the animal that, one of the only animals that can go up to the higher dwelling places of mountains and the upper realms, the higher realms. So it, it ha, it's the same word for gazelle. So in, in any of the John Eckhart prayers, if you ever pray any of the leaping prayers for your life, which you should, you should be praying leaping prayers over your life. Um, steps is good. The ordered steps of the Lord are awesome. But when you can leap, that's something. And what leaping is, just on a side note, what leaping is, is leaping is when you leap forward past the things that needed to be redeemed and that helped you back, held you back. So when the Lord redeems lost time and you take this big spring forward and he catches you up as if you never had lost from back there, that's called a leap, a leaping prayer. And that's a gazelle. That's what a gazelle or a mountain goat does. Okay, so they leap, they leap. And so they have this capacity to get up these craggy, like, like ungettable mountainsides. You know, they must have like thighs, like, you know, like, like a bodybuilder, like Johnny, the bodybuilder. They must have like these muscly thighs because they can get up places and uh, they almost have no uh, uh, predators because they dwell in the high places, okay? It's just crazy. So her name, you know, means that. The other thing is, is Rama, the place where uh, Deborah was between Rama and Bethel. Rama means uh, exalted, uh, high. And Bethel means house of God. So she dwelled at the, at the date palm. She sat between Rama and Bethel. House of God, exalted, high place. And mountain goat uh, is, is, dwells in the high place. It's just crazy. So 
the mountain goes has the capacity to leap over the hardest of places, the most, uh, the, where there's no path, whatever they call that, uh, impenetrable or whatever, you know, they just, no way that anyone's crawling up there. Up goes the mountain goat, up and over, up and over, so powerful. That's our lives, right? Our lives. God gives us the capacity to go up and over, to dwell in high places with low altitude, thin air. We get used to it. We have changes of atmosphere. We're used to the atmospheres of the higher realm, which has a different, maybe air, oxygen. You know, higher realms have a different breathing zone. And so God has us in these higher realms that we become extremely comfortable with the oxygenation. We're used to it. We like it. We like it, like Peru. We like being up there in the mountains. That's good for us. We're used to it. We have strong lungs from that because we've crawled up hard places that aren't hard for us because we're used to it. We were made for that. They were born, right? Mountain goats were born for that. So the other thing in the two of their names, they have a masculine form in the name of Deborah, and there's a masculine form in the name of Jael. And men are named JL and some form of, I think, Deborah too, which is crazy. There's some kind of, so it's so, I don't know what it meant. I don't know what it meant, but I just wanted to throw it out there. So um, she, there's a warrior note to JL's name. There's some kind of warrior notation or inference in her name. And she, and, and I'm going to read it to you in Judges 5, she was blessed among women, uh, 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 women in tents, Okay. So, all right, so Deborah, so JL wasn't that kind of get out there, do all these crazy things. The woman's uh, tent was her abode. She had authority over it. So, and a tent, um, the t meaning of tent in scripture is it's the place where uh, encounter with God happens. There was the Holy of Holies, the tent of God, and the people engaged God within their own tent. So it's where, and it's spoken of, I read in commentaries that heaven meets earth. Heaven meets earth in the, in the tent. Isn't that crazy? Heaven meets earth. So she was called a woman of the tents. And the woman of the tents, there is the other, uh, there's a couple scriptures. And in the couple scriptures with Jael's name, um, for the keeper of the tents that she was called, or the, the woman of tents, blessed. And it's the same blessing that's given for Mary. The only other person that's blessed like that is uh, Mary that's blessed like Jael. And Jael, uh, Mary was the birther of Jesus, the deliverer, right? And Jael, when Jael slayed Sisera, uh, he fell, if you see, I'll read it to you, or you can see it in Judges 5. He fell between her legs as she was sitting. And they say it's actually the only time that they talk about that, it's a birthing posture. Isn't that crazy? So she birthed deliverance. Isn't that crazy? That's so powerful. In a tent of meeting. And she's, she, was, uh, um, she was a woman of tents. So, so I want to give you some more things. So... So her husband was working with the enemy. So if you have people in your family, uh, friends, your boss that you're entrenched with somehow, her hubby, her Huber, her hubby Huber, uh, <laughs> Huber, Huber, the old Huber, you know, our, our Huber, Huber, his name is Huber, but our Hubbers, you know, hubby. <laughs> he was working with the enemy because he could see that he could prosper by doing metal work for Sisera. And, but uh, JL knew what time it was when he came in. 
and she uh, took authority. And so the hammer that she used was uh, a, a symbol of authority. She used a symbol of authority, and the peg that she used was oftentimes uh, it's what's used to en enlarge someone's tent. So when the tent enlarges, it's the presence of God is enlarging in your capacity, the habitation. So she used a peg of, of enlargement, and they were oftentimes made of pure silver, righteousness and purity. So she whacked that guy with a peg that, and peg means to conjoin. So she conjoined heaven and earth with a peg and a hammer. And that hammer was used to break stone. It was a stone breaker. The man that she whacked, that got his head whacked, and I guess his head was broken over, open, um, his name, Sisera, means, um, his name means meditations. Meditations of doubtful meaning. Meditations of doubtful meaning. Sisera was perceived to be the strong man over Israel. Sisera was the strong man over Israel at that time. So Jael, the warrior, struck Sisera in his head, the meditations, Sisera, the meditations of what did I say? Of doubtful meaning, right in the noodle, and busted open and drove the spike into the earth. He drove, she drove a stake into the earth of righteousness, of conjoining heaven with earth. And she birthed the deliverer. That term is used um, for birthing when he fell. So the same as Mary, same, same terming. Isn't that crazy? So Mary is blessed among women and Jael is blessed among women of the tents. So, Jael was a presence dweller. The type and shadow, the t t what is it, the uh, word pictures, word story, is the presence of God which is inhabited in the tents, the place of meaning, is what brought the authority into Jael's life to be the breakthrough, to be the breaker of stones, hard heads, breaker, the breaker anointing. It was used to break stones. That hammer was used to break stones. There's a couple scriptures that that hammer is used. It's to break stones and it's to change the states of stones, the state of being of a stone as well. So hard hearts. They were also sometimes had bronze with them, which represents sacrifice. So the sacrifice of the breaking caused the peg to conjoin heaven with earth in the tent of meeting and drove a stake in the ground of deliverance with a wife and a homemaker with a crazy husband. with a crazy hubber. 
Deborah, they're not sure if uh, the, the guy, I'll call him Lippy. <laughs> they're not sure if Lippy was her husband or if it was just a figurative or the region. They're not sure if she came from the region. But either way, she had her own resources. So God, and she, it, was a, it was an oppressive nation. They were terribly oppressed. You couldn't travel because they would take everything and they would rape and pillage. There was a story of Josephus, who was a great historian at that time. And just a couple years previous, he had wrote about a woman. Um, if a, a guest came to your house, tradition was you would let them in. And, um, and so these crazy things would happen. Women would get raped because they let a guest in the house. And so they, they wanted, the Canaanites said, we want, we want to, uh, we, we want to, I don't know, we want someone to come out because same thing like Lot, they would do the same thing. Come out so we can have your way with them. And they wanted the, the stranger to come out. We saw them walk through the market and he, this gentleman wouldn't do it. This is the story from Josephus, and he wouldn't do it. And so he sent out his wife, and this crazy story happened. They did what they, they had their way in shame. She couldn't come back from it. And so his wife, when she died, the husband, when she died, he split the wife's body into 12 pieces and sent it to all the tribes of Israel and said, shall not, uh, shall not we rise up to be delivered from our oppressors? So that's when, it's crazy, that's when they began. And they were oppressed by King uh, Jabin for like 12 to 15 years. So all, you know, it, so we think that, oh, they were always in oppression. You know, no, no, they aren't, weren't always in oppression. They started getting oppressed when they went to idolatrous ways and they forgot the Lord, their God, who had given them the ability to get wealth and prospered them. So that's what would happen to them. So Deborah, so Deborah was the overachiever and JL, she wasn't. She just, she just saw her moment, and she knew that she had authority. And, you know, there's a scripture that says that he, uh, of the beating our plowshares uh, into, into swords. And so God takes the things that we, um, the, the tools that we're comfortable with, that we grow in him with, and then he uses them um, for spiritual purposes, just like with Deborah just like with JL. So she was a woman, who, women at that time, the Bedouin women, were, they would set the tent up. So they weren't like, oh, put it over there. And, and you know, and they're like, hey, bring me some tea, put it over there. No, she was out there. She was hacking that big, and the tent stake was like this. It was like this big honking, like big one, like really big one. It wasn't like this little baby one that you put the nail in on the wall kind of thing. Because you think, how did she bust his head open, right? How she was, it had to be big, right? So, um, so she was the one, they would do it. They would be the one that would pound it in there. So she had learned a skill of how to wield a hammer. She had learned the skill of how to wield a hammer. So she drove it into the, into the ground and commentators say that it was the connection of heaven to earth and that the tabernacle of meeting, their tabernacle, their tent would be the place of meeting where heaven would meet earth when they would commune with the Lord. So in her tent, she was called blessed uh, woman of the tents, okay? So she drove it into the ground. She's blessed. She is blessed woman uh, like Mary. Uh, she was a woman of the habitations. And uh, there's a scripture that I wanted to share with you that I thought was super powerful, super powerful. Okay, so there's a word that is used in parts of Deborah's name, or, uh, in Jael's name, and it's called tisaba, and it means 
uh, warrior women. And the warrior women is the same one that uh, the women that were at the tent of meeting. Uh, they participated in, uh, in uh, Levite duties. So they weren't separated completely. Women did help in the Levitical priestly duties. They were helping. They, were, they had, they had uh, duties. So um, uh, they were called uh, Tesuba. The name is Tesaba, Tesaba, women uh, warriors. And they were the keeper at the gate of entrance of the tent. And the same word that is used uh, there is also inferred in Jael's name, woman warrior keeper of the tent. Isn't that crazy? So powerful. So, Jeremiah 51 says, you are my war club, same word, my weapon for battle. With you, I'll shatter nations, and with you, I'll destroy kingdoms. 2 Corinthians 10 says, our weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty for the pulling down of strongholds. Where's my other one I wanted to give you? have it so so uh, Joel is the one I said about beating your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks so God takes the things with JL that uh, she was used to the things that we've learned to overcome to break through and he used it to deliver and that's the type and shadow so these two women and here's the crazy thing uh, Deborah was a woman of sweetness of honey and JL was the one who brought milk which is a crazy story there's some kind of a crazy connection in the milk and the honey of Deborah which is again inheritance there's something with the tent I didn't I didn't figure it out but there's something with the milk and the tent and Deborah and the honey which is the land of milk and honey and the, and the conjoining of those two women together God showed deliverance from two completely different women personalities. Isn't that crazy? So powerful. So he chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. So, uh, so on that day, uh, so Israel, on that day, Israel saw God defeat Jabin. And these, in, in the defeat, they were, God caused a rainstorm to come for their defeat. So the 400 chariots were sucked up by a storm that should have been what caused them to mow it. And so what's the type and shadow of Joshua and of the story and of the promised land is that God has deliverance for us. Uh, he has deliverance and he wants to use us in the deliverance of our nation, of our circumstances, of our families, of our, uh, of our husbands, of our mates, of our, our whatever it is, our personal things. And we, our, our job is to, is to get the vision. Our job is to see as Deborah saw. Our, our job is to step into the prophetic. Our job is to hear the voice of God, which is the sweetness of the spirit, and through his word, to bring deliverance to ourselves, to bring victories into strongholds, to bring victory into fortified cities, to bring victory into formidable enemies that don't let us go and won't give us, give us, give us our territory. It's ours to step into, and it was JL's to step into with her hammer. So what I want to do is um, I, want to, uh, I want to do some, I want to do some breakthrough because I feel that 
Um, the heart of the Lord is always to take us into the anointing that stepped upon those people's, that person's life. Deborah had an anointing that came upon her because she stepped into them. If you want, uh, Bill Johnson says, if you're just curious, you'll, you'll never experience any of the deep things of God because you're not really wanting to do anything of it. You're just curious about it. If you don't want it, you're not going to get it. If you don't want encounter, you're not going to have it. If you don't want, don't worry. If you don't want prophetic, you're not going to get it, you know? If you don't want someone to touch you or heal, healing touch, you're not going to have it. You have to want it. It's, it's hunger. And so I believe that God, in the story, that God wants to give us fresh vision. I believe there's things in our lives that we have been struggling through, the hardness of heart, and there's areas of it in our life, and I wrote some notes down. Uh, there's areas uh, where we've experienced uh, procrastination or a withdrawal. We haven't wanted to go forward anymore. We've lost our boldness. Um, be maybe because of abandonment. Um, maybe there's been rejection. Uh, maybe you've struggled with procrastination or you've just gotten really complacent or lethargic. Um, there's bondages. There's demonic forces that cause you to be afflicted. There's barrier breakings that you need. There's, uh, I have some papers that I want to pass out. And uh, Shelly has them there being passed out. Uh, I see a hand. I see, I see that hand. Uh, Chella is coming. She's going to pass out. I want to I take some time and I, I want to pray because uh, I want to do some renouncing. I want to release the Deborah anointing over our lives, which is the spirit of might and the spirit of wisdom. And so I want us to listen to the Holy Spirit for what is the barriers and I'm going to give you some things try to pass it out quick if you can I want to give you some things and I want to pray over you and I want the Holy Spirit to show you some things that are hindrances um, or our strongholds or our fortified cities they're generational things that when you came into your inheritance in Christ they were already there they were already camped they were already squatting they already said they lived there and they're not leaving. <laughs> That's what those people are. When, the, when you have the oppressive enemies and their fortified cities and their strong, cities of stronghold, they, they're, they're squatters that have been there a long time. So when you came into Christ and you got your inheritance, they said, hey, we're here and we're not leaving. So I want to read a list over you. And I'm going to read some things. And I want you to also hear from the Holy Spirit. And I want to, I want to do some renouncing. Uh, in order to do some breakthrough, because then I want to release uh, uh, vision and enlargement and increase uh, for those that are wanting to expand. Um, the reason why you don't see breakthrough in areas of your life uh, is because there's a hindrance. It's not like genius. I mean, for us to think that when we pray, if we pray according to his will, like First John says, Right? If we pray according to his will, what does it say? That he hears us and he will do it, right? So there's a reason that it doesn't come. The reason we don't see breakthrough. So that means there's got to be something that affronts us. It's got to be a belief. It's got to be a false perception of God. It can be a generational thing. Um, it, can be, um, it can be a lot of things. It can be uh, identities or uh, personalities that you've built within yourself, 
Like, you're just always sharp. You just, that's just me. I'm harsh. I tell it like it is. I'm, I'm sharp. I say it. That's how I've been, always been. I'm straight. I'm direct. That's probably a personality that may not have been softened by the Holy Spirit. So you pick that up because that's generational. Because your mama was like that, or your grandma was like that, or you didn't have a mama, so your way of uh, protecting yourself was to be hard and snappy, you know, sassy, sharp. If you have it, you need to write it down. I'm not going to see it. So it's not like anybody like me or somebody else, unless they can see your paper, they have better sight and they don't have to wear these glasses. But um, they can see your paper. I don't even think they care. But you need to write it down because the Lord wants to break you free of stuff. He wants to set you free of things. He wants to bring you into, um, he wants to bring you into the speaking forth, the speaking forth of Genesis, declaring the word of the Lord as if it's the word of the Lord. He wants to bring you into sweetness. I, I'm going to read it. So if you have a snappy personality, if you're sharp and you have a harshness, your husband can be a really good gauge of that. Your best friend, you're snappy. Your mom tells you, you're sharp. My mom used to say that to me. You're sharp, Sherry. You're harsh. You cut. I'm like, that's just me. No, that was hurt me. That was hurt me. So you have personalities that are contrary to the fruit of the spirit. You have a temper problem. You just blow. You explode. You shouldn't have that. All right, you have issues with abandonment. Uh, if you have, listen, if I read it, just write it down on the dumb paper. You know, just don't filter it. Just go, oh, that's not me. It's not me. I don't know about that. Uh, the Lord's told me stuff, and I would say, that's not me. I'm a leader of God's people. That's not me. That's not me. I don't do that. I'm mature. I'm mature. I don't do that. I'm mature. No, I, but, and then three months down the road, I'm like, oh, that was you. You were talking to me. That's not, and I would discount it. Just put it on the paper. So abandonment, abandonment. If it, if it shoe fits, put it on. If you have anything with father rejection, Abba, father, is who we're going we're gonna to pull on for you. P issues with procrastination, it's probably connected to self-doubt, not good enough. Um, or you feel that you're too much. It's again, it's identity. Procrastination, it can be. I'm not saying it is, but it can be. You won't do things because you don't think that if you really did it, if you really wrote that book, if you really got up on that stage, if you really taught in that class, if you really sang on that stage, they'd know you're not all that. You have a lie that you believe. And it's, it's a false perception of yourself and it's a false perception of God so fear of man what is the fear of man you always worry about what everybody thinks about you you worry about being in the right place at the right time with the right people in the cool setting in the right setting it has to you know it has to look like the winners you have to be on the winner team or in the winner circle you can't be just with the, the regs the regulars the messies you know Fear of man, fear of man. You can't step forward. You worry about what, it, what they're going to think before you say it. 
you don't step forward in the fullness of who you are because you worry you'll be uh, judged harshly. Uh, I don't know, you're too masculine, you're too, you know, you're too pushy, you've got too big of a mouth, you know, something like that. Fear of man. Issues with anxiety or confusion. Apathy. You just don't give up anymore. Apathy. That's a lie you've believed. You've believed a lie. We're going uh, to break that. Small-mindedness. You always stay in the safe zone. You never launch out. Small-mindedness. I know you don't think it's anything, but God says you're supposed to go big places. You're supposed to be, do big things, like B-I-G capitalized with lights all over it, okay? Like italics, you know, big, big stuff. You're supposed to think big, but you can't. You're small-minded. You think only in the safe zone. What would anybody think if I thought that I was a prophet? What would anybody think if I thought I was an apostle? Well, would anybody think if I thought I could write a book or I was going to be a speaker or I could prophesy healing? Small-mindedness. Small-mindedness. Double-mindedness. You argue with yourself. <laughs> you argue with the Lord. There's something behind that. You're going to take these home, and I want you to pray into them because we're going to remove, we're going to remove and some of these areas, you're going to need to remove labor, layers, and you're going to need to pray into these things. Why am I giving you this? Because Deborah was used with great vision. She delivered a nation. Me and Deborah, same name, we're just talking before class. It's before the workshop. I keep thinking I'm talking school of prophetic. Um, and we were talking about how, um, I can't remember what we were talking about. Um, one person can save a nation. One person can save a nation. Do you know what kind of big thinking that is? So what do I mean by that? You're going to have to keep, you're going to have to pray into these things and you're going to have to start pushing for bigger for yourself. Deborah believed that the Lord was saying exactly what he, she said here. She said, the Lord, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera. <laughs> See those 900 chariots? They're going to go into the, the Lord's going to cause a rain. They're going to go into, he's going to destroy them. That kind of closeness with the Lord comes from you not filtering your head, your emotions, your insecurities, your self-consciousness. That's another one. Your fear of man is often tied to self-consciousness. You're, you're self-conscious because you fear what other people will think of you. I know, it's in a few, do you feel like a mess yet? That's how I felt when I went through this. Okay. Uh, Self-worth. If you have any issues of prejudice, prejudice, if you hate black people, hate white people, don't like people that can't speak English, don't pe like people that speak Spanish, don't like people that are white and don't speak Spanish, you know, we, uh, they're, you know don't, why are you hanging around with those white people? Put it on the paper. That's an issue for you. Or not. Intimidation, fear, not good enough, I said that. Sorrow of heart, 
This is something the Lord gave me, a sorrow. If you have sorrow of heart uh, for loss, we're going to break that off today in some renouncing. All right. So you, I want uh, Jody's going to come up if you want to. If you want, I can play music. If you want to participate, Jody. Do you want to play keys? Okay. Um, you can also just put a chord down uh, eventually. You can. Just lay, lay me a chord and I'll be fine. Just, um, and I'll talk over that. <laughs> did, you know that the, um, did you know that the heavens uh, space has a sound and it's the, the uh, key of B flat? So just lay down B flat, and I'll, I'll talk over that. I don't know what that means. Anyway, okay, so all right, so, um, all right, so we're going to break some stuff off you. Okay, so here's the deal. Listen, why am I saying this? Because you're not free. I have seen over the years, and I have had to come to terms with, I pray these big prayers, and yet I can't advance. And there's got to be something that's holding me back. So I'm saying these things because I want you to see that you yourself can be Deborah, the prophetess. You yourself can be Deborah, the deliverer. You are called to deliver those around you, the, those that are oppressed, and even to deliver yourself. But how do you step into it? You have to be free. The same with jail. She, she, she was powerful. So, so this is what we're going to do. So we're going to stand up. You can take a couple of extra minutes, or you can sit. I'll, we'll just start into worship. If you want to write a few extra things down, you can. But we're going to do some renouncing, and we're going to break it. And then I want to do impartation uh, of, of the anointing of Deborah. I'm not going to do JL, because I, I think that's a little bit broader. Uh, but I do want to do Deborah. And then I want to I want to pray over you um, expansion and increase. Uh, I didn't do that the last time. I, I don't think I did. Did I pray expansion? No, I don't think I did. I didn't pray expansion last time. No, that's good. That's why. That's good. See, that's the Holy Spirit. He wants me to go there, and I'm like, I think I've already done that. And no, it's actually the Holy Spirit. So, and what increase is is um, acceleration is is when you're acceler accelerating, you're jumping past uh, what the time that you've lost. So it's in the realm of the spirit. So God accelerates you forward into, into dimensions or higher realms of understanding or breakthrough and calling and in destiny where you never lost that time. That's acceleration. So I wanna, I wanna pray that over you. But we have to break some stuff off because the stuff that's on us is what keeps us. And then we say, well, God didn't show up for me. He, I prayed that prayer and I never moved forward. I'm still in the same thing. No, you, you have stuff on you. We have to get really vigilant. Did you know that the priests, when um, in the tabernacle, when the tabernacle was, uh, when they had the tabernacle, there was rooms, there was hidden chambers. And do you know that's where the priests kept their idols? There was hidden secret chambers. And they say they, they, it's inferred that it's the heart. So the hidden chambers of the heart. So there was these idols, these false beliefs, these things that, these little puppets that would pull us and we, we go and dance. We go where the, the strings that pull us, that's an idol. If you go where you, whoever's ringing the bell, if anxiety's ringing the bell, then that's an idol, that, that's a stronghold, that's a bond, bondage. 
If you go where people's opinions of you can't get you to even talk or move or function or you just get like locked up, I've had that, locked up, I would be locked up from emotions. Months, something would set me off. That just set me off. I'm sure some of you can relate to that. Just set me off. That just set me into a twist and I would be gone for two weeks upset about something. And I couldn't hear the Holy Spirit. That's a stronghold. You can't move because you're bound. Jesus came to set captives free. Kept set captives free. Yeah. All right. So if you've got your list, let's just, let's worship a little bit. I want to, I want to just ask the Holy Spirit how to navigate. Had a bunch of other things. So Sisera, he was the meditations of the mind that had to be purified from silver and of doubtful meaning, the meditations of doubtful meaning. So the peg of silver, righteousness, purity, had to be driven through the meditations of the mind of doubtless meaning. So we're going to break that off. Doubtless meaning, things that you doubt God, doubting God. You believe a lie. Any area where you do not have hope, any area that you look at in your life, and I don't care how bad, I don't care how bad it is. I know what bad is. Some people know how bad it is. Has been, right? There should be hope. If you believe a lie, if you do not have hope, you believe a lie about God. You believe a lie about yourself or you believe a lie about that circumstance. So we're gonna break it off. So I wanna get into the spirit and then we're gonna we're gonna do some renouncing. You can pray in the spirit. You can just open up. This is just gonna be an amazing day because we're gonna just get rid of some junk, some stuff that's not supposed to be of you, some bags, you know. There's mouths that are gonna be loosed, like tongues of the learned, preaching tongues of prophetic preaching, teachers, those called with apostolic teaching gifts to expand, which means, or enlarge, which means when it's an enlarge, it's an expansion to outside of the church. It's often a prophetic word. I think I gave that to Dawn, even for you, Lupe, I hear that for you, an enlargement outside the church. So when we break these things, these barriers, we have to ask the Lord. He wants to take us further. He always wants us to go a little higher, a little more. Come up here. There's in, in Deborah, with Deborah, that story, they would say, uh, come up here. And that meaning when they would let us go up, come up to Deborah, it would mean come up here, meaning ascend. Let's go up. Let's go up. Higher room. We want the Lord's justice. We want the Lord's decision. So we have to hear from him. And that takes humility and just gut honest. God, I don't care how long I've known you. I just, I want breakthrough. The word breakthrough, military movement or advance all the way through and beyond the enemy's front line defense. That's what that word means. A military movement or advance all the way through and beyond the enemy's front line of defense against you.
It's the breakthrough is the act of removing the obstruction, the overcoming of the stalemate in your life, the things that are not, you're not seeing breakthrough and you're just not seeing something is there. And it signifies a sudden advance, a development or an increase of knowledge. Where there's no vision, the people perish. So God, we need vision. All right. Do you have your lists? All right, I'm gonna lead you through some prayers, some prayings. And you're gonna read you are going to read your list when I come to that. I just want to make sure there wasn't any more something that the Lord wanted to share. How do I want to do this, Holy Spirit? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You know, revival, the, uh, the uh, common thread of all the revivals that have been documented in history, do you know what the one common thread is? Ravenous hunger. Revival of your own heart, ravenous hunger. Mm-hmm. Any, any revival and movement, the one common thread is ravenous hunger, desperation for God. Listen, if there's some things that you hear the Holy Spirit saying too, and things that you're to do that you're not doing and the why of it, you're gonna hear that too. I I really feel like the Lord's also gonna give some uh, special nuggets of new vision. So there's gonna be a reminding of calling, reminding of things said. Um, There's gonna be fresh vision. Uh, He's gonna give you a new word for uh, like JL Huber, hubby, Huby, (laughs) the hubs. He's gonna give you that. The area that you've been locked off with or whatever it is, the Lord's going to give you a fresh vision on that. So make sure you write that down too. Write it on the other side. I just want to find my little list. Oh, we just thank you, Lord. You're such a good God. You are the deliverer. You heard your people cry. You heard the cry of your people and you delivered them. You heard the cry of you people and you've delivered them. That's how Jesus you always are. You are the great hope. You are the great hope. All right. All right, so you're just gonna pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I think I'm going to go through all of the things, and then if you have anything extra, I want you to read it off, okay? So, Father, we renounce the strongholds, the fortified cities, the doubts, the unbeliefs, the covenants, the agreements, the attitudes, the false personalities, and the belief systems that we've formed about you, 
about ourselves and about how we see others. So Lord, right now, we want to renounce the agreement that we've made with abandonment, any area of abandonment in our life, where we felt you left us, where we felt you weren't there. If it was, and I just, if it was your father, if you feel a rejection because of your father, if it's a rejection because of a husband or just anyone family, I want you to just confess that, Lord. That person, Lord, I renounce that, that covenant with that abandon that I formed from that person in my life. That person, Father. Try to say it out loud so that it's heard. If it's a, it's a speaking forth, like speaking into being, like Genesis, proclamation. Lord, I loose myself of that. Lord, any place where I felt that you've abandoned me, with a marriage that went bad, with financial circumstances, with a church where people wounded me, struck me hard, Lord, I renounce that abandonment. I renounce that rejection that rejection over my life. I command it to go in Jesus' name. I break the tie. I sever the tie, the cord. Father, wherever I've withdrew because of my uh, self-worth or uh, my opinions of myself uh, because I was afraid I didn't think I was enough or I thought I was too much. Lord, I repent for that. I repent for that covenant that I've made with it where I've, I've isolated myself and I've become lonely for connection with you. I break that agreement with that attitude, with that personality that withdraws that covenant that belief system, that lie. Lord, wherever I've had an issue with procrastination, with being lethargic, apathetic, I break that covenant. If you see something when we're praying, if you see a picture, if you hear a name, if you hear somebody, if the Lord speaks somebody, speak that name, and Lord, I repent of that. If that's a habit, maybe even that you learned because you were raised that way, you just break that in the name of Jesus. We break that generational curse in the name of Jesus with procrastination, with apathy, with lethargy. We break that in Jesus' name off of our life. We break the covenant, the personality, the belief system, the attitudes the stronghold. We sever its tie in Jesus' name. We command ourselves to go free. Father, wherever I've had an issue with the fear of man, this is a doozy. You need to know this. You don't have to repeat this. This is a doozy. The fear of man is the number one reason why people do not fulfill destiny and calling. And I don't mean men. I mean men and women. People. Fear of people. What they're going to think. Self-consciousness, number one reason why people don't fulfill destiny. Calling, things are called to do. 
If Deborah was afraid with what people would think of her, she would have never done it. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we break the hold, the covenant, the agreement, the attitudes, the personalities, the belief systems, and the generational curse that comes from the fear of man. Father, if there's been anywhere where my identity and my feminine identity has been affected by the fear of man, right now, we break that in Jesus' name. Just pray that over yourself. If you feel that you were raised in a way that your gender was an issue and that you should just be quiet more, you know, whatever, that's for the boys, you know, you don't talk or just whatever it is, just break that off right now. We break that covenant in Jesus' name. We break that generational curse. If you should have been a boy, somebody told you you should have been a boy, you know, or you think you should have been a boy because boys are stronger. We break that curse, that agreement with that, that attitude, that personality, that belief system in Jesus' name. Now we're going to do anxiety and confusion. In the name of Jesus, we break the hold of anxiety, confusion, fear, terror, the stronghold of fear and terror, the generational curse over our lives of generational fear, anxiety, confusion, terror. In Jesus' name, we sever the covenant with that, the agreement, the attitudes, the personalities, the belief systems. We repent for making any covenant with that. That is not our inheritance. We break that in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, I break small-mindedness off of me. I was made for big things. The lies that said to me, I'm small-minded, are not for me. I break that covenant, that agreement, that attitude, that personality, that belief system. If it came from a generational curse in my family, I break that small-mindedness off in the name of Jesus. I go free. I have a new inheritance. I get a new name. I get a new heritage. My lineage is of Christ. I'm called to big things. I break double-mindedness, confusion, chaos, back and forth, not being able to think clearly, an inability to see things in the spirit or hear in the spirit. I break the reasoning mind off of me that jumps in front of the spirit and causes double-mindedness. I break that covenant in Jesus' name. I break the generational curse. The agreements that I've made with it, I cancel those agreements with double-mindedness. The attitudes that I've formed in my personality of double-mindedness, 
being backwards and forwards, always changing my mind. I break that in the name of Jesus. I break the belief systems that's attached to it that causes me to think in those ways. Now we're going to do self-worth. So Father, in Jesus' name, I break the covenant, the false belief system of low self-worth, diminished worth, not having much value. If you have something on your paper that you feel is specific, if you have specific characteristic traits that go with that, uh, worthlessness, uh, no value, if you feel a word like that, confess that too. Not good enough, always too much. That's how I was. I'm not, it's never good enough, and in, or I'm always too much. Well, that was too much. No, it's not too much. It's just me. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I can't do Rose. I have to do Sherry. Sherry may not be that altogether, but I have to be Sherry. So I can't, I can't have I'm not good enough or think I'm too much or too little because I have to be Sherry because I was made to be Sherry. You were made to be you. Your unique identity was for that purpose. Let's confess that. Lord, in Jesus' name, I break not good enough. I break the power of that covenant. I break the power of too much. I'm too much. I break the covenant with that. I break low self-worth, low value, diminished value, or low identity. I break the covenants that I have made with them, the agreements that I have brought forward into my life. I break that hold. I break attitudes that were formed from those areas. The personalities that I became in my life the identities that I took because of my self, low self-worth, my feelings of not good enough or always too much. I break that personality, the belief system. And in Jesus' name, I sever the generational tie to that and I declare that I go free. I declare I go free. I break off intimidation that goes with the fear of man. I declare now that intimidation you are broken to. You won't be forgotten with fear of man. We're gonna put you right in there, intimidation. I break the bondage of prejudice, any kind of prejudice. If you don't like poor people, repent for it. If you don't like unbelievers, if you don't like Jewish people, you find it. If you don't like Muslims, if you don't like Middle Eastern people, if you don't like Indians, if you don't like people from uh, Pakistan, whatever it is, you don't like illegals, <laughs> you don't like, uh, what do you call them, the foreigner, you don't like those foreigners, you need to repent for any prejudice that you've had. You should love everyone. You should love everyone just as Christ loves them. So you need to repent for that. You need to think about it and you need to write it down. If you have a prejudice about personalities like that guy you used to date, I don't know, you have a stronghold with something like that. You don't like those kinds of people anymore. 
You don't like those charismatics. You don't like those Baptists. You cannot be prejudiced. You're not to hold, you're not to uh, owe any man anything but love. So you're not to hold anything against them because that's a debt. They owe you a debt that they can't pay. So Lord, right now we repent for these prejudices. We, we renounce any covenants. Just name the prejudices that you have, anything that you have. Father, forgive us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Father, forgive us. We break the covenants, the agreements, the attitudes, the personalities that attached itself to those prejudices the attitudes that formed, we sever those. We cut those off in Jesus' name. The agreements, we cut the agreements, the covenants and the belief systems off in the name of Jesus. We sever the tie. If it's generational, we break that curse of prejudice right now in Jesus' name, right now. If you don't like Democrats or you don't like Republicans, I don't know, pick something. Just If that's there, just man, nothing. Nothing, man. Love everybody. Do not allow yourself to take offense or bitter root towards anyone. Man, God can save anybody. Jesus can save anyone. He really can, and he can use them mightily. So we can't reach people that we don't like or that we hate or we have prejudice towards. So, Father, we renounce that prejudice, and we sever the tie in Jesus' name, all generational. I also want to just pray over the sorrow of heart. That was one specific that I heard. So there's some people that have sorrow of heart. Sorrow of heart. If you have anger, if you wrote anything else, I just want you to right now confess it and I want to, and then we're going to break the covenant. So just take a couple minutes with the Lord, anything, anything that he brings before you, put it before him and confess it. Sorrow of heart over loss. It's been about uh, it's been a bondage to you those losses those battles you can't win all the battles but the Lord promises that we will win the war so those battles that we lost we ran out of time we have to move on the chapter has to close the next volume has to be declared over our life so that books finished but that doesn't mean that the story's over for our lives. But that loss has to be released. Sorrowness of heart that comes from the ache of it. Anything else that you wrote down, we're gonna renounce it in a minute. What are we doing? We're cleaning house. We're cleaning house. Why? Because we're filled with stuff. It's not the Lord. They're hindrances. That's why you're muddy. Your water is muddy. You don't, you don't release pure uh, word. You don't release pure prophetic. It's not spirit. It's muddy. It's because you're, you're filled with, there's a plurality in you, a duality in your life. That's why you're not clear. That's why it's not pure. That's why it doesn't, boom, the hammer doesn't drop because you don't have the weight of glory because you're full of other things. The weight has to, you have to contain it. Glory has to be contained. And what is glory? The weight of who he is. Well, you can't contain glory if you're full of other things. 
or you can only contain a certain measure because you're full of other stuff. So that means the other stuff has to come out so that he can fill you with a way to glory because you're a vessel. So that means you got to clean it. And that means you got to take the list and you got to work on things. You just got to, man, you got to keep short accounts with the Lord. You have to purpose moving forward that in order to increase and to expand and to accelerate, you're, you are going to have a short accounts with him. And anytime he wants to talk to you about stuff, he can just tell you. Anytime he wants to take you to the tent of meeting, and he wants to download upon you. When he wants to strike the, the uh, meditations of your mind with the hammer that breaks rocks, <laughs> with the silver, the pure silver to enlarge your tent, with the purpose of enlarging your tent, you're gonna let him because you gotta stop thinking that way. You gotta be different. You have to, you can't go, you can't move, you can't advance. You can't, you can't, you can't walk in victory. You can't defeat your enemies because your enemies have def defeated you. They own you. They're, you're their captive. That's what happened with them in Cana. They were captives. They were being enslaved. Never the destiny of God for their life. All right, so Lord, those areas right now, that extras, Lord, we just right now, we confess them to you and we break the covenants. So just take a minute, Lord, we break, we, we repent right now for these areas. Repent right now for these areas. And God, we break the covenants attached to them. Make sure you try to say it, try to say everything, speaking forth, everything is so powerful. The word, God spoke and it came into being. You need to speak, it's incredibly powerful. So we break covenants with that, Lord, covenants covenants agreements lord we've made agreements with that we've said it was so and it wasn't so that's a lie i think there's some people even that need to repent of um, believing that healing isn't for them or healing isn't for everyone or things of the supernatural i had to repent for that i had to repent for that because i had a sour taste in my mouth from supernatural things and so i i was a, a backbiter i was a, a whisperer i was bitter i had a bitter tang when i would talk at times it's because you believed a lie you allowed a seed of bitterness to grow in your heart so we repent for that lord for the covenants the agreements that we made with those lies that gave any power in our life lord we sever that right now in jesus name we tear down the attitudes, the attached attitudes to those, the personalities, the false personalities that are not truly who we are, but it's who we've become. Lord, we sever that false personality in ourself. For those that have issues with anger, worry, we sever that in Jesus' name, that personality, that false personality, and the belief system that we built like a little fortress in our hearts and our minds attached to these areas yeah so now right now we're going to declare victory we're going to renounce and now that we've renounced we're going to go into we're going to just go into expansion so let's just thank the father stand to our thing thank the father father we thank you for breakthrough we thank you for the breakthrough that these things are doing this morning 
We thank you for that. We thank you for the fruit of righteousness that's going to come. We thank you that this is the stake in the ground with our minds and the ruminations, the empty thinkings and the meditations that have been in our head from these bondages, Lord, that we go free, Lord, that we've broken that. Father, we thank you that you're setting the captives free right now. We go free. Lord, right now I pray over your people for a fresh vision. Just ask the Lord, come on, let's be a little desperate. I like desperate. I'm so desperate. If he doesn't show up, I can't even do this stuff. That's really the truth. I'll probably make a fool out of myself if I was up here with if he didn't show up. I pray for weeks because if I, I don't want to say anything that he doesn't want me to say. Because I'm desperate for it to be his words. I'm desperate for him to encounter you the way he wants to encounter you. Not for you to like think something special of me, but because I want you to encounter him. That's what matters. That's what it's for. This is all for. So Father, right now, we ask you, we're hungry for fresh vision. Fresh vision right now. Just start asking him, God, I want to see you fresh. I want to see you in new ways. I want, I want activation in my life. Father, I broke the limitations and the barriers set up. And so now I, I loose myself to go free into expansion. Expansion in Jesus' name. Father, I pray right now for the spirit of revelation to come upon me, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of might. I pray for the enlightenment of your truth, for dreams, visions, and encounters of freshness. Awaken in me the boldness like a lion, the courage like a lion that I had in former times or that some of you have never had before. Lord, I pray right now for a breakthrough of courage. I pray for an unleashing into the future. I pray for clear path, open path. I pray leaping prayers. Lord, I wanna go into the, to the gazelle, a season of a gazelle for my life, where I leap forward. Father, the areas of redeeming, Lord, I want that. But God, I wanna leap forward into, into um, into expansion. I want to leap forward into acceleration. I want to expand myself and I want to leap forward and accelerate forward as if I never lost the time. Father, I pray fresh vision over your ladies. Big dreams. Big dreams. Big dreams. Bold dreams global dreams, multiple areas of calling, multiple connected areas, apostolic teachers and prophetic preachers, prophetic evangelists, Lord. I pray that expansion on them. I pray, Father, for the lengthening of their cords, of their habitation, for an expansion within them. You would lengthen their cords. You would enlarge them. Father, I pray for enlargement. 
bigness, fullness, a stretching of opportunities, new opportunities, the ability to think big, breakthrough from resistance, from adversities, from barriers. Lord, I pray that you would cause me to strengthen others. You would give me wisdom. I break off even the uh, frustration of the waiting. There's people that you've been very frustrated for a while because you've not seen the fruit of your harvest. You've not seen what you believed God for or it was lost. So Lord, I pray that the frustration to be gone in Jesus' name. I pray, pray newness. Just ask the Lord to renew you. Ask him for fresh oil. Lord, I want fresh oil. I want fresh honey, milk and honey. Fresh encounter with you. Just take a couple minutes. You're going to start hearing things. The Lord's going to start saying stuff to you. He's going to start giving you vision, ideas, plans, new, new ways of seeing things. He's going to tell you, maybe he's going to speak something over you. Uh, my husband was doing um, deliverance and inner healing on someone, and, and it was really beautiful. I got to be in there, and the Lord gave that person a new name, and the name was True. True. So the Lord will start speaking to you. Some of you are going to get some new names. Don't diminish anything that he says. When he drops a, a treasure, a nugget, when he touches you with sweetness, when he like strokes your face and tells you you're beloved and he says something sweet, like darling or mine or chosen, you should take that. So the Lord is going to give people the ability to deliver those that are oppressed around them. He's going to start raising that up. The prophets, prophetesses, I, I feel like a prophet. I don't feel like a prophetess. It feels like a weird translation for me. So the prophets that are going to deliver those that have been bound. That's what he's going to do. You're going to be able to deliver your families. He's going to give you the capacity. He's going to give you fresh wisdom. He's going to give you the strategies to deliver your children, to deliver your husband, the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge, the spirit of might to go through it in the waiting. Hope. Hope. Papa. 
diminish what he's saying. When you hear him, don't diminish it. He's rekindling your ear to hear him. He's opening it.